was known as a man. A man on a dragon. And that dragon had a rider. And that rider's name was... This time we actually watched a good movie. Um, it is 2000-something or others, Paprika by Shatoshi Kon. Good Lord, Nate Regolia, what's going on in Paprika? I love this movie. Yeah. I really, really like it. Like, I would recommend this from the top. Everybody, go see this. It's on Crackle. You can watch it for free. It's worth every second. It's it's amazing. Yeah, actually didn't have any commercials for some reason on my viewing, and I don't know why. Yeah, I, I think that's what happened with mine. I think I, I told you, because I, I texted you, and was like, it wasn't as intrusive as I was expecting, and then I think it just was, like, trying to cut to commercial and then not feeding a commercial. Yeah, because I kept getting some buffering towards the end, and it just never went anywhere. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, good. Well, yeah. maybe uh, maybe Crackle's not uh, advertising on that particular movie. What'd you watch it on? Uh, our TV, we got a Roku TV. Oh, okay, yeah, I watched it on the PS4. I didn't know maybe if, like, one of the other, one of, one, uh, hardware device or another would be different, but I guess not. Yeah, no, well, uh, and, and yeah, seriously, like, this, this movie is great. Uh, Christopher Nolan stole most of this movie to make Inception, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Which actually, upon after watching it, I, I read a little bit of the wiki, and there was supposed to be a live-action version of this movie made in like 2008 or 9, but Inception came out, so they kind of shit-canned that project. Yeah, this um, has happened to this guy uh, quite a bit, it seems like, because we talked about, I think, on one of the other shows, Perfect Blue, which was another movie he made that got oh, lifted yeah. wholesale for Black Swan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah see, that sucks. What, yeah. what, are, what are these... Uh, what are these Directors doing, not coming up with their own shit. <laughs> and now he's dead, so it doesn't matter. Right. <sighs> what a shame. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I also I also watched Low Life 
this week. So we can talk about that in the live action corner for a little bit. The return of the Uh, live action corner. Yeah. (laughs) How many times did they say DC Mini? Did you think about like a newer miniature Dreamcast? Because literally every time they said it, that's what I thought of. Yeah, I, it was like a Dreamcast or like – it evoked something. It was sort of – yeah. I mean it, Dreamcast works for me. But they, they said it all they, – they said that phrase so much. <laughs> Rocket, don't be the – dog, the dogs are going to grumble a little bit. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, they, they – man, like, yeah. They, they said that a lot. Um, but man, I mean, that's like the only – I don't know. Like the, there's some incomprehensible techno babble in this movie, uh, which is fine because it's about dreams and reality merging together. Uh, but beyond that, like this is top to bottom exceptional. But at least when they deliver the techno babble, they're really excited about it, especially the the smallest doctor, the old man. Yeah, the chief. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you want to start? Oh, At the beginning? Yeah, let's. So uh, uh, we kind of we open on. Um, do we open on clowns in the circus? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the so runner open... of the parade, I think. Yeah. Well, we we start with the detective's dream. Yes. So uh, uh, yeah, so this detective guy is uh, looking for somebody in a circus, and then suddenly uh, uh, he's rushed by a bunch of people who all have his face. And then he's magically imprisoned, and he falls through the floor, finds himself in a hallway where this person is running away from him, who he's presumably shot in the back, and they fall down. Uh, yeah, and this this dream is like a runner throughout, because we, we learn later in the film uh, a little bit of why he was having the dream, I guess, or what unresolved business there was. Um, not everything in this movie makes sense sense. Uh, but the beauty is it doesn't really have to because it's it's a ride and it feels so cool <laughs> to experience. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's very open for interpretation. But I mean, my 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 first note is like, holy shit, this opening is great. <laughs> like, yeah, the it an- was the animation in this is fantastic from top to bottom. The only like minor quibble I think I had with any of it is when they use the computer stuff, but when they do it. It's for a specific purpose. It's like either like the rigidity of the offices or it's actually something that's supposed to be taking place on the internet. So it's not as bothersome. Yeah, it's not it's not like everything's mixed in here the way it was with uh uh with with Eat It. Right. With that with that movie, because that was just like a, a fucking melange of different <laughs> mediums. And th- this just yeah. This was very I mean the, the animation has a uh, a distinct sort of crispness, but it's also so malleable in the way that it's drawn, I think, that it feels like it's flowing. It's really interesting. Yeah, like, you can tell that this was a, like a theatrical, like real movie as opposed to one of those things we've watched where they were like 45 minutes shorts that got stitched into a movie or something like with a decidedly lower budget. Like this feels oh, yeah, yeah, big no, time. Everything yeah. here is very intentional. Uh, yeah, so so we find out uh, the detective wakes up from his dream, and we see uh, a young woman laying next to him in a bathrobe. I was a little confused about that at the beginning because I was like, "Why do you just get undressed with any of the people that you're psychoanalyzing?" <laughs> um, but uh, so this young woman is Paprika, uh, and she is uh, using this machine called the DC Mini, which kind of looks like a, a, a 
looks like the jawbone of an ass with little... Uh, so you can kill 10,000 Philistines? Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just looks like that with like uh, little, uh, I don't know, like... Uh, nodes? Yeah, nodes are like... Cilia, I guess, like little little hairs that would that stand up, um, and this thing you, connects to your head and it allows someone to go into your dream with you, yeah. um, and and allows the two people's dreams to cross over each other. Uh, so then we we kind of uh, lay down the theme that dreams are movies, which I mean, the, the, what I love about this is it has. It takes a lot of these kind of bigger ideas. It doesn't necessarily answer them completely, but it lays enough. It, it doesn't. It doesn't propose anything that's so absurd that you can't just be on board with it. No, and I do like that they're constantly making reference to like the technical aspects of making movies as real parts of the functioning world that they're in. So it's kind of got this weird like meta narrative, which normally I hate, but works for this. Oh yeah, it works. It works really well because it's not. Like, we never jump out to, the, like, the director's chair or anything crazy. It just sort of, it just sort of implies that we're all, we're all always watching ourselves watch things, and sometimes our own lives and our own pasts are just movies we're watching, or, or re-watching in whatever edit we've made in our brains. Yeah, and sometimes we legitimately turn into Akira Kurosawa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah Patrick is a dream therapist. Um, uh, and she's very bubbly. She's very kind of like the idealized, like almost like the manic pixie dream girl type. Yeah, like, absolutely. A more hyper literal version of it, I guess. In this uh, yes. aspect, because she is literally a girl in dreams and later turns into a pixie. It's yeah, that's true, and a mermaid, yeah. <laughs> among other things. Um, yeah, the the and the the opening credit sequence is really cool too. Yeah, this is the first movie we've watched that was actually subtitled, right? Or that we watched well, the subtitled version of. Edit was subtitled too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like th- this one was uh, readable because it wasn't just bombarding you with subtitles. Right, it wasn't being done on the fly. Like I think we watched like an open caption version of uh, edit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this I mean this was great. Uh, so we have we have a really really original uh, credit sequence that sort of gives you a foreshadowing to the movie. It's just like this free flowing paprika moving through the world, uh, swinging you know through machines, out of machines, into different dream worlds and landscapes, and then we uh, open on fat guy stuck in elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we open on slapstick. Yeah, and I mean, it, and it's it's endearing because. Uh, his uh yeah what wait what's that guy's name uh, uh tiko or so? it's akito i think that's the the tokita tokita's the guy yeah and atsuko is i is, want some oh. tokitos oh <laughs> it's that one old man that <laughs> the old gray mare just ain't what she used to be she isn't <laughs> it, not only is this guy fat but he's like SNK fighting game villain fat. Like, he's also, like, 12 feet tall. He's he's 90s X-Men, the animated series, uh, the blob fat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and just... And it's, and it's funny, because there's a runner throughout this movie where, like, they're in a restaurant having a conversation, and he just keeps ordering food. Like, That's he a- orders 
plate after plate after plate over the course of like three minutes of the scene. Well, it's a great scene because they bring the whole, the big tray like for the table and they're having this like really serious discussion. It's like, oh, who ordered the udon? And he raises his hand and then like a minute goes by and it's like, and who had the steak? And he raises his hand. Basically, he ordered everything and the other two ordered nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He's just going to eat and eat and eat. Um uh, but so Takeda's like the uh, he's the man baby man child genius who invented the DC mini. Yes. Uh, and, they also uh, they work for some vague science corporation. Yeah, it's typical. like a psychological research company of some kind. Yeah. That's run by an old withered man in a wheelchair who's referred to unironically as the chairman the chairman yeah I, I don't know if that's a intentional pun like i don't know if that works in japanese but it worked on me yeah i i thought it was i was like oh that's i like it and then when we see what his uh what his legs are like later yeah there's i know there's a obviously there's a lot of inception in this but like i got a lot of prometheus out of it too oh yeah yeah yeah, there's very much like the the uh, secret billion like aging billionaire with his uh, uh, evil scheme, whatever, who's kind of conducting everything from behind the scenes. I this movie's like that. This movie has so many cool reveals and so many moments where uh, the plot twists in a satisfying way. Right. Uh, it, yeah, I just I love it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're, they're discussing that the DC Mini has been stolen uh, because they're finding, uh, they're finding that somebody's getting into other people's dreams, I guess, or the dreams are crossing over. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they assume that someone is doing it as a, as a terrorist act because the sharing of dreams could lead to violence or something. They don't really know what it could do, but they know it's not cool. No, but Terra seems to be, like, the default villain in a lot of anime. Like, I know it, it comes up in Ghost in the Shell. I don't know if that's, like, a translation thing or there's just a lot of fear of terrorism, especially, I guess, how far is this removed from, like, the Tokyo gas attacks? Yeah, because this is probably uh, within ten years of those. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 kind of just a convenient way to go. And the nice thing is, is they're not saying terrorists the way that American sort of Filmmakers yeah. tend to say terrorists because American filmmakers tend to use that as shorthand for anybody of Middle East descent. No, but, in Japan, it's all like almost always exclusively domestic terrorism. Right. Yeah. So it's it's and and that's a kind of inception of itself, right? That that there's the uh, attacker from within, in the same way that your dream might uh, attack you from within. Right. Um, so they're they're discussing this, and then so there's uh, Tokita. Who's the big fat guy? There's uh, Atsuko, and she is the uh, the strong female lead doctor. And then there is the chief, this this short little uh, balding Japanese man. Uh, they're having this conversation, and suddenly the chief just starts spouting insane gibberish. Which for a second I was like, oh, did Crackle fuck up the, the subtitles yeah. on this movie? <laughs> but but then it just keeps going, and the chief is just rambling about about uh, connection and parades, and joy, and all these other things that don't make any sense at all, and then he fucking runs and jumps out the window. <laughs> I love the kind of, like, internal logic of the nonsense dialogue of all the dreams. Like, it's a good it's a good signpost to know that you're in one of the dream states, but just, like, the kind of, like, uh, free association. Yeah. 
Well, it, and it seemed very authentic because the dreams themselves are depicted fairly free association. Right. And to have the language be that way makes total sense. Like, we, we don't really, I mean, you kind of compile a narrative, you know, when you wake up from a particularly vivid dream. But they're also usually just all nonsense. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we probably won't go note for note, but the one thing I did want to bring up when we're talking about the kind of like transitory nature of the dreams is how it's explained later on when we revisit the detective's dream as different floors on the elevator. It's like, oh, here's this part. Oh, and yeah, yeah. here's that part. Yeah. Which, and that and that was something where, you know, that scene especially, well, there's also, in in the detective's dream in the, in the cold open, um, there's a sequence where he's running through the hallway, and the hallway is just kind of changing shape and moving, and he's having to adapt to that, which clearly Christopher Nolan ripped off. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the elevator thing really struck me as so overtly, like, borrowed by Inception, because... Just this idea that there's this weird uh, architectural order to the whole thing. Yeah, like there's a um, vertical structure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so the chief bails out the window spouting gibberish. Luckily, he doesn't die. Uh, several people manage to fall incredible distances and survive in this movie, which oh, yeah, the I'm fine with. But Takeda's assistant falls like 9,000 stories. And seems yeah. to make it. Not yeah, didn't didn't like uh, splash on the pavement or anything. No, uh, he, sh- he should be like a fine powder. Oh yeah, <laughs> but they recover him like totally intact. They uh, so then we we uh, I guess we enter we enter into the chief's dream. Is that right? Yeah. So the chief is dreaming himself uh, on like a float in the center of a parade of all kinds of like robots and penguins and creatures and people and all this stuff it's basically like the entirety of japanese pop culture from 1930 or so in a parade form and and it's and it is it is a beautiful thing to see it is super cool and there's there's a there's a very iconic uh music track that goes along with this that, that the little that the band in the parade is playing that ends up being very like it's it it sort of triggers your awareness throughout the film because it, it's really this becomes representative of the way that the dream world and the real world are blending together. Yeah. Um, so we find out that Himuro, who is Tokita's assistant, is in this dream and possibly the terrorist. Because uh, they find like a uh, there's a doll on the float in the dream that has Himuro's face. Right. There's a lot of cool face switch reveals here, too, where, like, something looks like a porcelain doll, and then suddenly it has a man face, and it's creepy, but it's not not terribly scary or anything. No, no. There's, it's, like, everything has, like, kind of an underlying, like, kind of, like, rotting away below the surface creepiness, but I wouldn't say it's, like, outright horrific. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah it, it does. It just, it feels, it feels like psychological decay, like, they're, like... Yeah, like we're losing control of ourselves, and 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 that's really satisfying. Um, so they end up in Himuro's apartment, I guess, which he has like a bunch of creepy toys that he's been building. Yeah, uh, like similar the- to uh, Madonna building uh, British incel guy from the last movie. Yeah, it's like a cross between that and John Doe's apartment from Seven. Yeah, yeah. And and the so did you notice that there was a poster for a movie called Hard Boys on the wall? <laughs> no, I missed that. 
Yeah, I, I made a special note of that because I was like, eh, well, it, it, I mean, I don't know if that's like a gay porn thing or is it hard like the way that uh, like British people use it. Yeah, yeah, like the way that Mac is hard on It's Always Sunny. Yeah. <laughs> well, earlier, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now he's definitely hard in the in the gay way. Um, so uh, yeah, so they let's see, so they're chasing a doll through a creepy amusement park, which is phenomenal. Like the set pieces in this. The the, ch- the choices they make for where to do things is just so cool. Um, so the the doll that is that has Humuro's face, they chase. I guess Paprika chases. Yeah, through through this abandoned amusement park. There are points like in here where she's dressed up to evoke um, the monkey from Journey to the West. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm sure um, is intentional. There's a lot of things like in the periphery, like religious things and things that have kind of like fallen by the wayside, I guess, in contemporary culture that are pervasive in the dreams. And I, I'm, I'm sure that's intentional, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's yeah, I think it's it's all got to be this larger commentary on the ways that, that you know, the past comes back to haunt us uh, through our dreams or the past comes back to remind us of who we were. Uh, yeah. Um, that we, we find out that if you use the DC a lot, you end up more susceptible to having your dreams invaded. Yeah. Uh, and, so and it kinda, possibly melts directly into your skull. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's just like, you know, when you get too many free goofballs from the local drug dealer and then you thought, um, you then I like- have that. Uh, go ahead. As you say, you end up like Devin Sawa and SLC Punk when all the acid melts into his pants. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. Um, oh yeah, so so they're pursuing the chief in the dream. Paprika like inflates him like a balloon, and then he yeah. kind of pops, and then that's how, what wakes the chief up. Yeah, she literally his bursts his bubble. Yeah. Well, good, good call. I didn't even think about it that way, but that's that's what happened. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to of kind of the dream world becoming like an escape for the ego, where the ego begins to get out of control, and you're so obsessed with controlling and having power in the dream world that you totally dissociate. Yeah, yeah, because it's this idea that you're just going to be so wrapped up in the parade that you will literally cease to exist in the real world. Right. Uh, uh, I, I wrote down that the dream the dreams are like the internet, places where the unconscious mind vents. Yeah, was a quote yeah, that, that was a good line. Yeah, I thought that was a really great quote uh, in there. I can't. Did Paprika say that, or was it the chief? It was the no. It was Paprika. Okay. The yeah. chief. The chief's line was because uh, he's kind of like the this more of this technophobia that he kind of has, but kind of doesn't. Uh, it gets muddled at the end. But there's always that one kind of technophobic character in all these movies where he's like, dreams are the last refuge for humanity in an inhumane world, I think is his... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's because yeah, this is when the chairman really hits this hard with, hey, you know, there's going to be there's gonna be hell to pay for you guys doing this. Which is weird, because it doesn't make any sense why he's sponsoring the program. Until way later. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until the big reveal at the end, which is also mm-hmm. fucking cool. Um, so in real life, then they go to the, the same dream park or the same uh, theme park that's sort of dream themed because they're trying to find the real life Himoro. They think he's there. Right. Um, and this is when I first realized that 
Paprika wasn't a real person, but she's a dream presence. Yeah, it didn't. It took me a minute to get there, like because it's not. Did you ever read uh, Snow Crash? Yes. Uh huh. You remember how he has that like really distinct avatar in in the internet world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought it was, but as we kind of go along, and I know we're stepping on plot points, but like it's fine. Um, it's more that she's, like, either just a manifestation of the unconscious or, like, directly like a Tyler Durden. Yeah, she... she, Because she she operates independently to, uh, Chiba at points. Right. when they're both awake. Right, which, I mean, that was the thing that was confusing me because they, she would be, uh, her scion for a period of time, but then she would also show up as a literal reflection in a window. Yeah. Sort of uh, able to exist ethereally around whenever, whenever necessary, uh, and and you know what, it was a little confusing, but I don't think it mattered. It didn't hurt my experience no. of it at all. Um, it it made the reveal a little later uh, a little more satisfying for me because I think I I didn't really quite get the Batman Bruce Wayne ness of the whole thing, but yeah. then it it really it really delivered. So that was cool. Well, the thing uh, that really kind of binds the narrative is the detective's dream, and I think that's why we go back to it a couple times. Be, that's the thing that kind of like anchors the rest of the story because it would kind of just float away I think in a lot of parts if it wasn't for that because he's I don't know if it's meant because the detective's like such a hyper logical actor um, like actor in like life not like actor actor yeah that it, like it's able to like bind kind of a straight story through him whereas everybody else is just kind of like just off on their own kind of out of control you know what i mean i'm having trouble articulating what i'm trying to say but yeah no i i I think you're i think you're spot on like the the detective story grounds the whole narrative because it's about a human person we can sort of understand directly and his dreams and trying to figure out why he feels this sort of anxiety and sadness about like he there's something up like you don't get a really clear sense of what the what the major impact on his personal life is but he's definitely like he's having some sort of uh he's having some sort of depression like thing or anxiety like thing he's trying to get to the bottom of it by analyzing this recurring dream that he has and that's something like like that's a door we we can all walk through cuz we've all had something like that right and that really does it, it. It puts weight on the hot air balloon that is the rest of the movie, which is this like madcap techno thriller uh, with a bunch of like just crazy psychedelic dream stuff that happens. That that really, I mean, and I can't emphasize this enough, but the way that this movie phases in and out of reality in a way where in many scenes you don't know if you're in a dream or not until. I don't know, two thirds of the way through when you realize like, Oh, this isn't really happening. Right. And it's, and it's great because it, it does. I mean, it keeps you, it keeps you on, you know, it keeps you on your toes and it really, I mean, it makes the movie really engaging, but it also just speaks to the theme. And it never feels like they cheat to get into the dream world. Do you know what I mean? Like it always feels like there's a distinct way in and out of them as opposed to just like, Kind of a lazier movie where it would just be, oh, we're just dreaming the whole time. It's like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. But there's always some kind of, like, nugget that lets you know where you are or where you should know you are. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, they do that. It's beautiful because they give you, they give you the language in that opening sequence. You get the sense that, like, okay, something is going, 
everything is just far enough off that it can't be anything else, anything but, right? right? So even if you're in a totally normal situation, someone's face will change change into another face and you'll go, I know exactly where I am and I'm 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 cool with it. Yeah. And then they will and then they will exit it in a satisfying manner to kind of to kind of float you into the next sequence. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Um uh so okay, so they're they're at this creepy theme park, they're looking for Himuro. Um Himuro's body falls from like the top of a roller coaster through a through an awning and does not splat so much as just sort of wump on the ground. <laughs> uh and and then we see that the DC mini is literally like in his face, and the the little uh, the little not the little nodes things are squirming around in his skin. Right. Uh, it's taking over, and they sort of determine that okay, the, well now the DC mini is conscious because it's it's connected to a human brain. Right, and it's able to access every. Uh, psychotherapy machine in the world, whatever that means specifically, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what the psychotherapy machines are, but I, I, uh, but for the function of the narrative, they're like basically just antenna all around the world to be able to broadcast. Is how so I we, took it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because it's just I, the implication is is that you know uh, this thing's gone nuclear, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> um. So uh, yeah, it's using it's using the DC Mini's using body energy to connect in people's dreams, and it's a big problem. Uh, we get the repeated theme that unfettered genius is very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, and they spell it out that the Takeda refuses to take any responsibility or even aware of the consequences of his actions at all. Oh yeah, no. He he goes immediately back to a, a Zuckerberg esque working closet, where he obsesses over perfecting the thing. Even yeah. though uh, even though we get uh, we get a sequence where a couple of the other people on staff here are also going crazy, and they leap out the window or get wheeled out. Um, but it's uh, it, it's clearly becoming an epidemic. It's taking over. Uh, so we get uh, uh, Itsuko and. The guy doctor, I think Osuno, Osani, yeah, Osani, yeah, yeah. It's important we didn't really talk about uh, Atsuko, but she's kind of like this super dry, like almost lifeless, hyperclinical psychiatrist. Like it's it's very important. I think the contrast. She's she's, she's like the contrast uh, between the two. She's like McCoy and Spock put together. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she only really, she dismisses everything, and she wants to talk about everything on the basis of, yeah, logic and and, and ethic, really. I mean, because she goes in and, and yells at Tokita for not giving up on the project. Right, and that's really the only emotional moment she has. Yeah, which which we find out later, the reason why she's emotional is is uh, a deep loving thing. Or do we? We'll talk or, about it when we get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so then then we get a, a moment where the chief uh, laments that he can't go back to college, to a place where uh, we talk about our futures, and that causes uh, the detective to sort of become aware of his own past again within the dream. Right. Um. Yeah. Let's see. 
Tokita's fixing the DC. So then uh, de- the detective goes through the dream again with Paprika, which is a which it's a much more lucid experience than the one we saw in the opening, where they're actually sort of conducting this thing. Right, he's and much Paprika's- more aware that this is a dream and that he's viewing it in segments than he was originally. And so, and and Paprika's kind of uh, both directing it and viewing it as a as a movie, and we actually get like a traditional like classic movie theater with curtains and everything. Uh, where we're sort of watching it, and the and the, and the movie theater, I think, kind of represents the limbo between the dream world and the and the waking world, I guess. Yeah, I would say so. And it's it's also kind of important to note that if you haven't seen the movie, the whole time, uh, uh, Paprika has been asking him about movies, what he thinks about movies, what, and he's very like callous and kind of like bristles at talking about it. And she's like, "What? You don't like movies?" He's like, "I just don't have time for them," or something. He just kind of dismisses them. But he makes references to like technical aspects of movies throughout his dialogue. Yeah, yeah, and this and this does turn out to be important. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's confusing how it's directly important, but I, I mean, well, it's not confusing how it's directly important. We'll we'll get there. Right. Uh, I think we are there. Isn't that this scene or no? Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah when they're in the so. theater. Yeah. Yeah. So, because she asks him about the the action line. Right, and he literally morphs into like a like a late seventies era Akira Kurosawa, like the hat and everything. Yeah, um, uh, and yeah, and so we find out that he was uh, in well, he was going to go to film school with his friend. Yeah, and they had been making a movie, an a, a, an action movie that had the chase sequence that mimics the the chase sequence and gun down that he keeps seeing in his dream. Uh. But that his friend died, I think. Well, he bailed on it. I can't remember why, but like the detective just stopped doing it and right. turned it over to the friend who then died. Yeah, and so there's there's this great uh, potential unfulfilled thing in his past, and also the fact that his really like his best buddy. Yeah. It's, it seemed like they the, the friend he and the friend were extraordinarily close, and it's that kind of it's that kind of like middle through high school bonding that if if. Then when people just change into different people when they enter their twenties, it was abandoned. But he still remembers it very fondly and and has regrets. Yeah, um, the this, this scene turns out to be weirdly poignant later because uh, Satoshi Khan died while he was making his last movie, so he had to turn it over to somebody, and it never got finished. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Is it? Is there an? Un, is there like a released, unfinished version of the movie somewhere? No, they never finished it, and like the person that could finish it doesn't want to. Ah, yeah. well, let's, let's send him an email. <laughs> Tweet at him, man. <laughs> Come on, we're doing the, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> finish the movie for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we get background on the detective. Uh, is this? Does he? Does he figure out the chase then? Or no, that happens at the end. It happens a little bit later. Okay. Um, because so then we there's cut. also, uh, she gives him a website to go to. This is still in the, I wouldn't say the internet is in its infancy when this is made, but it's not like the ubiquitous internet as we understand it now. You know, yeah, it's kind of like 2007, that. so the internet's still like a quaint place where we're all thinking it's it's got potential to make the world a better place. Right. So she's also able, Paprika, to be digitally inserted and i guess this has something to do with like the the technological aspect of all these psychiatric machines as like an internet presence as well yeah 
She yeah, she's able to exist everywhere where she wants to, which is pretty wild. Yeah, uh, everywhere that's not like a physical reality. Um, let's see. So then we we jump to uh, we get out of the detective's dream and jump to uh, Tokita's putting on the DC mini and getting into uh, Hamano's dream because he thinks he can. He thinks that because he's the super genius, he's just gonna crack this. Like nobody else gets it. I'll fix it. Whatever. Right. So he goes in there, uh, and because the two dreams are crossing together, uh, we discover that there is some kind of secret dream wor- ruler who's trying to take over the the waking world, uh, yeah. which we which we receive in dialogue because uh, Tokita is is trying to convince the uh, Hamano from the parade to like wake up, come back, like let's get out of this thing. And then we find out that like it's it's way more complicated than that. Um, at which point, uh, Tokita kind of turns into a giant wind-up robot. Yes. Uh, and then this and then this is cool because uh, we merge back into Paprika's therapy session with the detective because now Tokita's dream is merging with the detective's dream because they're all on the same network. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of bleed. Yeah, so we're just, everything's starting to get mashed together. And this creates, I mean, basically now, Takeda's in a coma, uh, Amano's in a coma, and so Itsuko decides to go into save Takeda. Right. And sends in, and basically then we see that Paprika, I, I think this is like our first direct hint that Paprika and Atsuko are the same. Yeah, yeah, this is where they're really starting to kind of spell it out. Because Atsuko does like a very Superman-esque run down the like sky bridge between two buildings. Yeah, she takes off her shoes. Yeah, she takes her Yeah. Yeah, which I I really I liked that a lot because it was a very like human thing to do. Yeah, well it was this human recognition of hey look, she wears she wears heels because she has to to be a formal doctor person. But she's gonna go sprinting down a hallway now. And she's going to do, and, and then she just sort of, like, morphs into uh, Paprika kind of via reflection. Um, it's it's subtle enough that I still didn't quite get it right there. I was like, eh? But then it was clear. It was clear a little later in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Then we, uh, so she goes in. Atsuko goes, Paprika's in there trying to trying to save uh, Tukita. Uh, but and the dreams are now like merged just crazy. The parade is taking over everything. Yeah, the the real world as we understand it kind of ceases to exist at this point. So then Paprika finds this like dark opening. It there's there's like a, a cave, right? That then kind of looks like the inside of a brain as she goes in deeper. And then there's this glow, and at the end of that. Da 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 da! Is the chairman? Yeah. And the chairman's like, "Hey, I'm anti-science and technology, right. and I want nature's nature and dreams to be pure." And then we, and then this is beautiful because he's sitting in this like greenhouse, like this massive, uh, not even greenhouse. It's like a conservancy, like a huge hall of plants. It's and like kinda, a swamp thing would hang out. Yeah, yeah. It's like poison ivy's lair. Right, uh, and and we're panning across this, and and he he's rolling his wheelchair through 
until he's obscured uh, other than probably from the waist up. And then suddenly he gets out of the chair and he's got like crazy tree root legs. Uh, and yeah, uh, and he's just like standing up and he's walking on these tentacles. Where I, I don't know, and forgive me, I don't remember the exact order of these events. Like, at what point is Osani introduced into this part? Is this soon, or did we miss it? Well, uh, Osani's Osani's moment comes in a little bit. Okay. Uh, But we've seen Osani a couple of times earlier in the movie. So there's just this, like, pretty, whatever, like, basic doctor-looking guy who has been kind of whispering, like, hey, this is a bad idea to Atsuko about Tokita. He's definitely got beef with Tokita in the project. He's only had, like, three lines in the whole movie up to this point. Um, the uh, So the chairman uh, begins chasing. So Paprika's in this cool chase scene where we have some really interesting, like, changes in the way the animation style is done that are kind of subtle. Uh, but Paprika turns into a sphinx and then into a mermaid and then into, I think, Chin Chin is the name of the, like, monkey thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, uh, Asani's definitely in this part because when she turns into a sphinx, he's in the painting with her. Oh, okay, that's right. All right. So, yeah, so he's – so Osani's in the sequence too and she doesn't really know why yet. Right. Um, so this chase happens. Uh, it's brilliant, but it, it's clear that Paprika can't – she's not going to be able to get away. Like the, the environment keeps changing. It's just – it's a never-ending – it's going to be a never-ending chase. Um and then we cut to a really cool scene, which is a bunch of butterflies pinned, and then Paprika is also pinned to a table. Right. Because she's, at, at points, turned into, like, a either a butterfly or a fairy, so it's, like, it's it's a running image. And so, I mean, and this is and this is the kind of stuff that, that really makes this movie so, so seamless. Because it does. It just, it just pulls directly to that. Um... So then, so then, this is where we see Osani. He, he's the one looming over her, uh, and he reveals that he sold his body to the chairman, basically, to be dream powerful. I guess. Yeah. It. It. it, it and. And I. And you know, I was about to take a note where I was like, "Hey, you know what's cool about this movie? There's no weird uh, sexual, sexual violence." Nah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then what happens is, uh, yeah, Osani, uh, puts his whole hand inside Paprika's vagina. Like, through the front of it, though. Like, he phases into it. He doesn't, like, go up. Oh, yeah, he doesn't even, he doesn't even take her pants off. He, like, he, like, just sort of, it's like, uh, the, like, the Stargate water effect. Yeah, it's, it's basically like, it's a psychic violation through the metaphor of a physical violation. Yeah, perfectly, brilliantly said, Doctor Kowski. <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, uh, and and through this, he like he basically reaches all the way up into and behind her face, and then rips the paprika costume off, and we see that it's Atsuko. Right. And then this, and then he basically says, "Hey, uh, I love you. I've been in love with you forever." Why yeah, aren't we in love? It's, gr- it's gross. It's super gross because it it reminds me a lot of the of the way that the the love story in Fist of the North Star played out, where it's just like uh, I, I want you. You're you're mine now. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah. But um, I, but this is like more purposeful than that. <laughs> like Oh sure. No, this yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this and this works really well because it, it gives you all the motivation you need for why this guy became evil. Because he's just he's just a scummy incel doctor guy. Um so let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, uh, the chairman grows out of his neck. Oh, that's right. Point. Yes, yeah, because he can't control himself. We have a quality like Treehouse of Horror three moment where Mr. Burns's neck is sewn onto Homer after the yeah. robot falls on him. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, the uh... this is where I think that this dreamscape merges with the detectives that's right because the detective sees this on the movie screen right and he's pushing through goes through the movie screen which is super cool so now so now the detective is in there to fight uh osani yeah so the detective is is pursuing osani through the through the hallway and this is where the detective's dream directly blends with this reality because he guns osani down in the hallway we find out that's who he shot. Um, but that also means that Osani dies in the dream world as well. Yeah. And this really pisses the chairman off, because now the chairman doesn't have his one uh, Renfield-type ally. It's a really good sequence, too, with the Detective, because at the end it gives him, like, a action one-liner, and then it cuts to, like, credits in his dream, and the crowd's all cheering. Yeah! Oh, man, yeah. That, was su- that was such a great touch. That was such a cool touch. Um, so, so, uh, so then I guess we're, yeah, so he, re- he rescues, uh, Atsuko and wakes her up and we find out that, um, now dreams and real reality have merged to an insane extent. They're like, we get, we get this really cool, just brief scene where like five businessmen are all standing on top of a building. They're all muttering gibberish and they all jump off the top of the building together. Yeah. Like synchronized swimmers, um, and then there's like an upskirt photo joke. Did you did you see that? No. What was it? Like a couple, like some of the businessmen like hit the ground and then they turn into cell phone. Well, a couple of them turn into like schoolgirls, like in okay. Sailor Moon costumes, and then a couple other people turn into cell phones, and oh. the cell phone people like lay under them gotcha, for a gotcha, second, yeah. and we get a flash, and then it cuts to another thing. <laughs> Fucking but, man. Right? <laughs> but the but it's like, yeah, okay, so the whole world is dreaming. This is like... They're, the parade they're is now, like, going through the middle of Tokyo, like real Tokyo. Yeah. Um, and at this point now, we find that Paprika and Itsuko, and Itsuko exist at the same time. Because now, because Paprika is like a dream entity, she is able to be part of the real world. So they're both... They're trying to pursue. Oh yeah, because they they see Tokita as a giant wind up robot as part of this parade. So they're trying to find him to save him. Still, um, we get the the great line: "An overweight spirit needs no diet." Is something <laughs> that Tokita says, which I thought was great. Yeah. Uh, and then the and then the chairman uh, appears as basically like. Uh, I don't know, like just a giant evil god monster. Yeah, he's like a he's like a Godzilla-sized shadow form. And he's and now he's just saying like I just want to destroy everything. 
dreams are the only thing that's pure. Yeah, this is another one of those reignite the world of villain schemes. Like the Yoper Fiend. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, he wants, to, he wants to use Paprika to reboot the world completely. And calls her the missing spice. <laughs> yeah. Which, that was a little on the nose for me, but I, I, I get they it. They make a couple of spice jokes at this point, too, because uh, Takita or uh, Tokita says something about it, too, and he swallows her. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and we find, so we, we find out, so, okay, okay. Uh, so, Itsuko sacrifices herself for Tokita because we find out that she's actually in love with Tokita. Like, she's been secretly harboring right. deep romantic feelings. And they merge together to become a kind of super ghost baby. Right. And, and it's, it's the end of The Legend of Overfiend. Yeah, and this ghost baby kind of does a, a Kirby uh, Kirby's Dream World thing where he just the baby is sucking in all of the dreams that are around and devouring them, and this is aging the baby up until it becomes a giant, naked, paprika, Atsuko hybrid woman. Right. And then that... And then she eats the chairman. Yeah. Like, the chairman is pulled into that and destroyed. In a scene that probably isn't meant to be sexual, but still kind of reads that way. Yeah, it was... I mean... It's just... It's really just the, like, the nudity thing was... The nudity was a little weird because I didn't really understand why why that. Like, it could have easily been a dressed woman doing this. I mean, I guess it's like a rebirth thing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that makes, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah. And then we find out, so that's pretty much it. The reality is restored, we believe. The dreams all start fading away. Uh, the chaos ends. And we swing back to the detective who has the revelation that he became a cop to finish the movie that he and his friend were doing. Yeah. Which he did because he had his his badass action hero one-liner and the credits rolled. Yeah, uh, and, and then he receives a message at the website from Paprika, or not from Paprika, but from Atsuko that mentions that she is going to, or she is married or is going to be married to Takeda and recommends a movie for him to go see. Yeah. And, yeah, and it, it's a movie about dreaming kids. Right. Um, and there's a beautiful line, too, that one of, the, one of the last lines is, truths always come from fictions. Right. So, which I like, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, and that's, and that's really this movie. This movie was, was just phenomenally good. I will is... watch this again. I will recommend this to I will recommend this to people who don't like anime because it is it is it's a fucking great movie. You like, should watch just... the show that he made, Paranoia Agent. Like it's really good. It's only like thirteen episodes. Oh no! Nice. It deals it deals with some similar things, but more kind of like the nature of fiction and identity. But Nate, is this whole thing, including the ending, Takeda's dream? Oh. God, I wonder. Because That's a good question. That, well, there's, I know there's some reference when she starts to comfort him that, oh, like, this is, ex, they say, what, I can't say her name, Atsuko? Atsuko's dream, when she starts to fade into him. But the fact that, like, it's all resolved that 
she was secretly in love with him the whole time is such a weird note. Um, she doesn't show any interest throughout the beginning of it? No, and maybe you could get that, like, oh, she's all pissed at him. Like, she doesn't know how to express herself emotionally, and that's what paprika is, and maybe, maybe not. But, like, it, it something about that doesn't quite fit. So, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm bringing my own baggage to it, or that's in there intentionally, but it's such an odd note. I think that's, I think that's a really, that's a really interesting take, because, like... It does make a lot of sense. It's the only thing that confuses me is Takeda really is a non-factor in in solving anything. But he does win out at the end. He continues. He gets to continue doing his research, and and he gets the girl and everything else. Right, and he's also so oblivious in the real world. Maybe he's oblivious in the dream world as well. You know what I mean? He's just focused on the one thing that he's doing while all this shit happens around him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, now now I gotta now I really want to rewatch it and, and see if I see if I see that again at the end because it, it it would it kind of it would put everything in a neat little bow in a way that would be satisfying to him because he wants this he wants his technology to ultimately be a good thing and right. it would prove he, that it was ultimately a good thing and he wants to be loved and respected like definitely because they bring something up about his technology and he, he's like oh it's all because they're just jealous of me. Right. Like, you know, he he wants he wants emotions lavished on him whether or not he understands them or knows how to process them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, he 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 hungers for recognition and validation cuz he's I mean, clearly like he is he's con- he, he's not stoked about his weight. Like <laughs> the opening no. is him stuck in the elevator doors. Which... Yeah, but he's not like embarrassed or anything, not to, uh, without getting into some kind of weird fucking, we'll just talk to, about it as a movie, the way things are structured normally. Like, in most films or movies, he'd be embarrassed that he's, like, literally stuck in the elevator, but he's just like, oh, I was just on my way to see you. Yeah. Yeah, he, it, it's like this is what happens every time he uses the elevator. Right. And it's just, it's just a, a, a minor annoyance. So... I don't know. I think it's open to interpretation. I mean, anything that's about dream spaces invading reality, I think, is open to interpretation. Yeah, I mean, this, this, the beauty of this movie is, is, it is it is like a psychological horror film. It is a sci-fi movie. It is a love story. It's an action film. It's like, it's, it's all these things in a blender. And it's all, like, it's all the right ingredients blended together. So it actually really, like, it goes down smooth regardless of what, what flavor you're looking for. Yeah, the other thing that kind of led me to believe it might be his dream or might not be is at the end of the detective's dream, he's with the girl and it cuts to the credits and he got the girl. You know what I mean? The girl being Atsuko, Paprika, whatever. Right. And then the next thing he's like, I guess I got broken up with. Oh. Yeah. So, like, maybe that's like a, a some kind of symbolism to this is going to be the way that, like, the dream ends where it gets fixed. Is that they end up with the girl, but again, I could be reading too much into it, or I could be putting parts together that aren't meant to be put together. No, I, I mean, I'd buy it, because I think that, I mean, I, I kind of look forward to watching this movie again to to do more of, like, a, a deep image uh, kind of read on it. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that would um, benefit from repeat viewings, because there's so much going on, like, it's hard to watch it, like, super critically for, like, just the plot structure. 
Because, like, you really have to be engaged in the movie. You can't really detach yourself from it to kind of analyze what's going on until the end. And then it's such kind of a miasma of things. It's hard to pick out the pieces as they happened, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you're getting bombarded with these just remarkably interesting images all the time. And and you kind of have to pick one to look at. And I th- and I, I'll, I'll bet you that, like, uh, you know, because the, the doll that is Himuro is probably a bit of a mislead, and there there might be a lot more uh, sort of textual evidence in some of the other things that are in the parade that yeah, we aren't paying attention to. Does Hamoru ever wake up? We don't... I don't think so. I mean, I feel like Hamoru's fucking baked, man. It's over. Yeah. He... It, it, yeah. It seems like he's just, you know, one of those flattened kids from those bad anti-weed commercials. <laughs> I melted into a chair. Oh, why don't you ever play with me anymore? <laughs> Joe <laughs> Rogan, like, who's, who's a guy I'm hot and cold on, does have a great bit about that specific commercial. <laughs> it's like, hey man, why don't you get your cat shit problem under control before you come lecture me about fucking weed, you asshole. <laughs> oh man. Uh... Yeah, but this has a thing that like it does with all great movies. It makes me want to watch all of his other stuff. So maybe we should do uh, Perfect Blue or Millennium Actress next. You want I, to? I would love to. Yeah, let's do, do kind that. Of a deep dive. Okay. Which, which one you want to do? Um, I don't know. You pick. Let's do, do Perfect know. Blue since since I have good context on what Black Swan was. So it'll be fun to watch something that I'm I'm looking at. Cool. Well, you do we do, uh, do we know if it's on a streaming service? I don't know. I think you could probably rent it on Amazon. But we'll yeah. Think. Hey, it might be on Crackle for all we know. It might be. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's do uh, let's do waifus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How many? What do you say? It's gonna be a ten for me, Space Cowboy. Like. It is a fucking ten for yeah. me too. Yeah, this is by far, by far, by far the best thing we've watched. Yeah. Oh, and this is. I mean, this is like one of the best things I've ever watched, as far as like anime goes, and as far as many movies go. This is this is a good movie. Yeah, it really takes advantage of the medium to be surreal, but not so surreal. It's annoying or well, pretentious. Yeah, yeah that's a, I think that's you, you really hit it. That's the thing is this. It doesn't I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of clues littered throughout to to make this a much deeper, uh, a nar- you know, a, a narrative and a, a kind of critical uh, piece of fiction. But it doesn't hit you over the head with stuff. It's not trying, it doesn't ever try to be lofty, lofty. It doesn't ever say anything that's so egregiously pretentious or anything. It, it really is. It's, it's, it's an accessible film that uses animation to its best quality, which is to create just remarkable visuals that you couldn't do otherwise. And they're all perfect. It reminds me not, because they have anything to do with each other, but just kind of the way I reacted to them. A lot of, um, a scanner darkly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Which I think like benefits a lot from that rotoscoped animation and that kind of like stilted weirdness. Yeah. Just that way that the motion becomes more, uh, water like and less natural. Yeah. Yeah. So man. Yeah. This, this was so good. I, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you thought it was a ten too, because I I saw it and I was like, "Fuck, this is the best thing we've watched." Yeah. And and if you didn't like it, I was gonna be like, "Okay." <laughs> no, I mean it's it's right up our alley. It's all that like the nature of reality, the nature of identity. It's all that shit we always really like. Yeah. And I think that like 
is big in our own work a lot. Like, oh, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that it's a thing this... that we're both into, which is funny that you're talking about that we both made the same joke about Bird Box. Right. I hadn't heard you do the bit. Yeah. Yeah, I did it on the, I did it on Vague Idea, like, last week or two weeks ago or something. But yeah, and then we made a Dumb and Dumber reference out of it. <laughs> yeah, his head fell off. <laughs> yeah, he was old. I love the button on that joke. That, yeah, yeah, he was he old. He was old. <laughs> All right, man, you want to talk about Low Life for a little bit? It's a bit a bit since I saw it, so you might have to steer a little bit. But Yeah, that, I, I watched it yesterday, and, you know, I don't I don't want to spoil anything about this movie because I think everybody should see it. It's on Hulu now, so if you've got a Hulu membership, just watch it. It's free, and it's it's amazing. So it's like a, uh, it's like a Pulp Fiction-esque uh, crime thriller dark comedy. Yeah. I guess it's the best way to describe it. Um, we have a uh, pretty phenomenal and cartoonish in the good way cast of characters. Uh, there is a plot here about uh, a criminal organization kidnapping illegal immigrants by... Was the guy actually an ICE agent, or was he just using maybe, an ICE vest? I, I think maybe he was. Okay. Yeah, I, I I thought that he was because it seemed like they yeah it seemed like there was at least the beef that they have at the very beginning of the movie when he brings the the group of people in um, yeah so they're they're uh, kidnapping illegal immigrants from this motel and all over Los Angeles and uh, harvesting their organs like killing people and harvesting their organs to sell on the black market right uh, so we have that plot. We have the plot of uh, a man called El Monstro, who is a, uh, he's wearing a, a, uh, he's Luka a Libre mask. Yeah, he's a, a legacy luchador. He's the son of the original El Monstro, or grandson, I'm not sure. Yeah, and he's, and he has, uh, he has issue because he's like, I think, 5'8", or something. Yeah. He's still a hulking dude. He's massive, but he, his... His father and grandfather before him are known to be eight feet tall, and they're sort of seen as superheroes uh, in a way, uh, as well as as well as wrestlers. And they uh, may literally be superheroes. Like it's there's bits of magical realism I think in this that aren't really heavily laid into. Oh yeah, every time, well, every time uh, El Monstro uh, gets upset, we get like a tinnitus, like high pitched noise, and then it just cuts to just a scene of decimation. Yeah. Like he, he, uh, he crushes a kind of shitty dad's face with a propane tank at a girl's quinceanera because he won't that's pay such, the money that, that they owe. That scene is so fucking good. It really, I, the, what I got to say is this movie is just full of good scenes. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it, it's not it, perfectly cobbled together. No, but, and it, it's a Rashomon story too so it's never gonna be like satisfying in that way yeah like pulp fiction obviously is kind of like the the high watermark for that but there's always gonna be it's always just gonna be a collection of vignettes and i would say pulp fiction is the same oh yeah no i mean because pulp fiction doesn't answer everything for you yeah Uh, and and i wouldn't even say i i would i would almost well i would say that low life does something well that Pulp Fiction does not, which is it has a real heart at its core. 
Yeah. And, and it seems it seems genuinely to care about kind of the abuse of immigrants, uh, parenthood and family. Yeah. And like the it's missing the kind of nihilism from the typical Tarantino stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because nothing – I mean, we in Pulp Fiction, we're whisked away into kind of just uh, winding levels of criminality. Yeah. And yeah. sort of just left with, hey, this is just how stuff is. Yeah, with the exception of, like, Death Proof, a couple of the characters, like, most of his movies, everyone is awful. Oh, yeah, Like, yeah. in some respect or another. No one's, like, truly good or sympathetic. Like, in this movie, you've got – a monstro has this like very stringent nobility that's in this Kinsinera scene is played for like gruesome comic effect. Yeah. Because he has to honor this girl's wish. And he yeah. honors it like way too literally. Yeah, she's like, yeah, you should she says like you should bash his head in, right? Yeah. Uh or may or no, she just says, Don't ever let him talk to me like that again. Right. And then that's and then he goes into rage mode and and kills the man, um, and and leaves the the girl just, you know, uh, terrorized. Yeah, but yeah, he's a real monkey's paw. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a monkey's paw throughout. Although he gets he gets a very like he gets to have a noble uh, moment of his own at the end of the film. Which what I what I love about this is it really it wraps up so satis so satisfyingly and so. I think it just what's nice is this movie loves every character in it. Yeah, it's very earnest. Like it doesn't feel like it's just there to poke fun at things even with the 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 neo-Nazi not Yeah, really. the white guy with the giant swastika tattoo on his face. Right. I'm like, okay, well this is going to be like a, a very on the nose joke that's funny like for 5 minutes and then is not. But like the amount of depth that that character ends up with by the end is, like, really surprising. Like, everybody has, like, layers. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that that character in particular, like, he spends a bunch of time saying, hey, you know, I didn't want this. What was I going to do? I had to right. – I was in prison. I had to get this tattoo, man. It's not me. <laughs> and it's yeah. really it, – it was just it, – it was, it was. It was such an interesting – spin on the whole thing because you know you've got the you've got keith the accountant guy who you know uh, he has a moment and i and i feel like the way that the way that keith departs the film was a little confusing to me because it kind of cut very quickly um but i guess like you, yeah if you i guess if you get shot in the arm you can bleed out that fast i don't know yeah um well it doesn't really matter like it was it, it's all about kind of continuing to propel this weird assemblage of people because it's really i mean this is like uh this is sort of like pulp fiction meets the avengers i i they're getting the band together yeah like we get we start out with everybody's individual storyline we have the the we have the bad guy that's running the organ operation we've got el monstro we've got the woman who runs the the hotel who she and her husband were junkies, and she's clean, but her husband isn't. And they gave their daughter up to the same organ harvesting guy for for drugs. They traded their daughter for drugs. Yeah. And like, but and everybody has like a propelling moment, right? Like, El Monstro, it's it's finding out that his girlfriend and baby mama has been kidnapped. That's his propelling moment into heroism. 
the hotel owner is propelled because her her husband kills himself in the uh, most gruesome reveal of a suicide possibly in film history. Right. That shit is disgusting. It was that that and the uh and the face punching scene in the finale yeah. were two of the most just like horrifically gruesome things. I um, think the suicide one's even more unsettling because you just walk into the aftermath, you don't see it. Oh yeah, you don't you don't expect anything. Like you basically get they have this they have this kind of heart to heart where you think that she's convinced him that they can turn their lives around. And then yeah. three minutes of movie passes and she goes back in and, and he's he had set up plastic and blown his brains out. And like it is yeah, it is gruesome. Um I will say that about this movie. Like if you if you're not into gore at all, this is a this is a hard movie to watch. Yeah. Um I I went uh I went and got lunch before starting this movie. I bought I bought a cheesesteak and brought it back. I was like, I'll just eat my lunch and watch this movie. <laughs> and, and and in the in the opening ten minutes, there is like six minutes of a woman's body being harvested for parts. Where you're just, yeah. I'm like, okay, we're cutting a liver out, we're removing a heart, we're popping eyes out through the temples. I was like, okay, maybe maybe a meat sandwich was a bad choice for this movie. <laughs> But I, I I loved it. I mean, it really it does. It wraps up it wraps up satisfyingly. It has it has a lot of love and optimism to it, and it's and it's really it's redemptive. It's it's about people. It's about people finding a way to do a good thing. Yeah, sort in the most like like awful way to get there. But yeah, like the the redemption of whatever the neo Nazi guy is is like one of the most surprising turns I've seen in a movie, and I couldn't tell you how long. Oh yeah, because he's just uh, well, he's just fun. He's like uh, he he ends up sort of becoming the the new hero. Yeah, and that's and that's sort of like that's the beauty of the movie is you you really don't expect anything that happens at the end. And no, not at all. Like it, it, yeah, I mean, there's it, I nothing was telegraphed, and and that's so rare for something like this. Yeah, yeah. I, I really loved it, and I'm glad yeah. I saw it. And the movie's like a hundred miles an hour, and it's over in ten minutes. Like it's oh yeah, it's, it's, a lot of fun. it's only it's only a ninety minute long movie. Yeah, but I mean, we've both seen ninety minute movies that oh that have dragged and dragged yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, this was. I mean, it, yeah, this was. It was great. It's like it's broken up into these little chapters, a la Kurosawa, like you were saying. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just every single vignette is satisfying. And then when they come together, it's really it rewards you for having watched the, the preceding rest of the movie because they it's rolled out so well that you don't have to answer questions like who, how is this person related to this person in dialogue, right. Like everything, everything's like, oh shit, that's his girlfriend, that's their daughter, this is this person. Like everything is so, yeah, it's yeah, just and none of it feels shoehorned in in a way like these things can sometimes feel. Oh yeah, no, no nothing's cheap. It's it's all well earned. It's great. But yeah, so two strong recommends of Paprika and Low Life. Yeah, here, here. Yeah. <laughs> So as always, uh, good talk. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, I love you too. This was this was a lot of fun. I'm glad I'm glad that uh, that we watched both of those, and hopefully yeah. we can we can do something similar again. Do you have any uh, live action corner wrecks for me? Um, 
What haven't you seen yet? Uh, I mean, I guess if Venom comes out on... Is that going to come out on VOD soon? I think so, yeah. Because if I, if I can catch that within the next week, I'll do it. Okay. I really I want to talk to you about it because you're just so elated about the movie. And I am, and it is awful. It is garbage. Yeah, but, but I love I, it. I find it satisfying. There are just movies that do that where it's like, yeah, this this isn't good, but I love it. <laughs> no, but you should see Into the Spider Verse if you haven't seen it. If you get a chance to go to the movies, that's what yes. really I too. Okay. Yeah. If I if I get a chance next week to go to go to the theater, I yeah, I'm very psyched because yeah, after listening to you guys do the Molies, um, yeah, I I am I'm very psyched to see that movie. And uh, and I agree with pretty much everybody's picks for for good movies too. I thought that was that was a good episode. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they always go so fucking long. Oh yeah, but, <laughs> but it's but it's a really it's a satisfying length because you got to wrap up the year. Yeah, but we're so dumb we can never remember what order we do things in. It's always just like a complete clusterfuck. <laughs> It'd be like a showrunner off to the side, just like violently like shaking papers around and giving us like the cut signs. Like it's a it's a mess every year. <laughs> Oh, but, man. All yeah. right, man. All right. Well, okay. hey, talk to you next week. Yep. I'm going to take care of the puppies. All right. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye.
Skies. <laughs>